You're listening to Mystery Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will attempt to answer the question, who took Johnny Gosh? Hello, hello, and welcome back to Mystery Still Unsolved. I am so excited to be back here with all of you today. Finally, am I right? (laughs) I feel like I need to address the elephant in the room just right away because you know me, I'm not one to like beat around the bush. Um, So we have not had an episode since our Roanoke episode, which I think was like either the first or second week of November. Um, I feel like I need to explain why I was gone and what I plan on doing forward so that I don't leave you guys hanging again. Um, so there are basically two main reasons if I like narrow them down to why I had such a long hiatus. The first one is just for my own sanity and mental health during the holidays. Um, last year, uh, so 2021, um, It was just really hard to pivot back and forth between like researching and recording and editing and posting um, content um, about like such gruesome things and then like pivot super quickly to be like, oh, yeah, let's spend the magic of Christmas with our children. Um, That was just really difficult for me. It was kind of hard for me to like switch back and forth day to day. So my kids are little. I just wanted to make sure that I spend as much time as I can with them while they're small and they like still believe in the magic of Christmas and Santa Claus and all that fun stuff because one day they won't believe in that anymore and I don't want to miss out on it. So that was reason number one. Uh, Reason number two is probably the more important one and that is I was definitely stalling. I'm not going to lie. Um, so as you may or may not know, this is our 98th episode today, which means in two weeks or three weeks, depending on your listening to this, um, we will be celebrating our 100th episode. And for the last few months, I've kind of been going back and forth, back and forth, uh, to creators, uh, illustrators, a bunch of other people, because I wanted to get everything situated and ready to go for my 100th episode. And I can finally say that the stars and the planets have aligned. Um, I'm satisfied with the quality of everything. Um, And so I'm going to have some really, really big surprises for you at our 100th episode. And just kind of taking that time off allowed me the time to perfect everything because seriously, like I only want the best for you guys. So It was a lot of like trial and error and getting packages sent to me just to check quality and all that sort of fun stuff. So sorry I'm being really vague, but I just want to like announce everything at the 100th episode. So that's why I'm trying to like not give too much stuff away right now. Okay, so my plan moving forward, because I never really want to do that to you guys ever again, because it just is a little bit jacked up. Um, is I think that from now on, from henceforth, um, I'm just going to kind of plan a hiatus every year during the holidays. So from mid-January to the end of October. So it would be like the very final episode of our spooky Halloween series. Um, That will be the end of the season, if you will. So like right now we are starting season three because it's my third year recording. 
Um, and then mid-January, I will pick up and we will start season four. So that way you guys can just be kind of mentally prepared for it. Know that like you guys won't be wondering like where the hell did she go? Like you'll just know like, oh, Rochelle always takes the holidays off in between her seasons. So hopefully that will help out a little bit. Um, before we get started with today's episode about Johnny Gosh, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping and I'll try to keep it like super brief because I know that we all kind of need to like ease into it. So if you're not already following me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved, you totally should be. Um, even though I wasn't really posting episodes, I was very active on my Instagram. I would pop in on stories. I would talk about like updates. Like for example, um, my episode 35, I want to say was about the boy in the box. And during my little hiatus, they finally found out the name of the boy in the box. And I clearly remember recording that episode and saying like, I think that this case is so cold and just like far too much time has gone by that I don't think they were ever going to find a name for this little boy. And seriously, I could not be more happy that I was so wrong. Um, they have, they held like a one hour press conference and me literally sobbing the entire time. Like I was just so happy that this boy finally got a name and that there are suspects and that these suspects are being looked into. Um, unfortunately I think that a lot of the suspects have passed on, but still I feel like it's so important. Like your name is so important. So I think I was just literally crying my eyes out because he finally got a name and and he needed one and they're they're in the process of getting his name etched onto a new um headstone. So that's going to be like such a beautiful moment. So if you're not already following me on Instagram, you totally should be. Um you kind of would have like gotten kind of like a feel for where I've been the last couple weeks. Um uh, and we can stay uh, in touch and we can communicate and keep that line of communication open. So if you're not following me there, you should, because I post videos, I post pictures, you can send me a case suggestion. Um, yeah, it's really fun. And then, um, if you're not already following me at my website, it's www.mysterystillunsolved.com. And I know that you're like, Rochelle, you show, you tell, talk to us about this like every week and your website hasn't changed at all. And I would agree with you. Um, because as of right now, all you can really do is just uh, listen to all of my episodes, which is 98, by the way. Um, but like I said, all the things that I said before about, you know, upcoming treats for y'all, um, you guys are going to want to be looking at that website because there is a lot of fun stuff that you're going to be able to do slash purchase on the site coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, it's not anything to like rush over there right now, but in the upcoming weeks, you're going to want to go to my website, www.mysterysillinsolved.com. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Even though I want to tell you guys, cause I'm really bad at keeping secrets. I'm going to try and control myself. Okay. So I think that that's it for all of the news that I want to go over before we start our case. So without further delay, Let's talk Johnny Gosh. And before I get started, I just want you to know that my husband does not know anything about this and he always is so nice and he listens to the episodes with me before I post them just to make sure that I didn't 
do or say anything stupid <laughs> and like make sure that I didn't miss any edits. Um, and he is going to literally freak out when he hears this case because he was a paper boy when he was young. And I told him, like, I don't care if our kids like beg to deliver newspapers. There's no way that they're ever going to do that unless I'm like driving in the car, like right behind them the entire time. Um, but yeah, my husband did it for a really long time. He has always had a really good work ethic. Even when he was like 11 and 12, he was out there in the early wee hours of the morning delivering papers. Um, and he's going to get a little creeped out by this case because it's relatable. And many of you might have delivered papers when you were older and it's such like an innocent thing, right? But like people take advantage of that kind of stuff. All right. So let's just talk Johnny Gosh because like if you don't know about Johnny Gosh, then that newspaper reference like didn't mean anything to you, but it will soon. I promise. Okay. In the early hours, like the real, real early hours of September 5th, 1982, 12 year old Johnny Gosh left home with his miniature Dutch hound Gretchen and reported to his paper drop. Johnny had been delivering newspapers in the West Des Moines area for a little over a year. Sometimes Johnny would wake up his dad, whose name was John Sr., and his dad would walk with him as he delivered, and other times he would just want to, you know, kind of do his own thing and let his dad sleep in, and he would take his trusty sausage dog sidekick companion Gretchen with him. Um, There were already multiple boys at the paper drop when Johnny arrived, and they all report that they saw Johnny and Gretchen, and so he did indeed make it to the drop after leaving his house. So he was able to come and pick up his bundled paper. So we know that he made it to the drop. What happened after this, though, is where things get a little bit less solid. Um, At 6 a.m., Mr. and Mrs. Gosh, they started receiving calls from neighbors in their neighborhood um, along Johnny's route, informing them that their papers had not yet been delivered. And first off, who the actual F is calling people at 6 a.m. on a Sunday? That should be illegal. If anybody ever called me at 6 a.m. on the Sunday, I'd be like, somebody better be dead because I'm going to kill you for calling me at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. Um, but I'm going to give these neighbors the benefit of the doubt that they were mainly concerned about like the whereabouts of Johnny and not actually mad that like they didn't get their precious little newspaper. Uh, John Sr. immediately like got in his car and did a quick loop around Johnny's route. And it was at this time that he discovered Johnny's abandoned wagon. Uh, John Sr. immediately called the police and the police came out to investigate. At first, as always, they believe that Johnny Gosh was a run was a runaway, um, which is no real shocker for us here. Um, I feel like police in the 80s believing that a victim of kidnapping to be a runaway went to other like peanut butter and jelly. Like they're always like, oh, he must have run away. No, dude, he's 12. Okay. Like he, there's something going on. Um, When police arrived, they questioned all of the paper boys that were at the drop. And they also um, questioned like a handful of neighbors. Uh, One paper boy who is also named John. So it gets kind of tricky because John Rossi is the boy and then Johnny Gosh. So John Rossi said that while he was at the paper drop with a handful of the other kids, um, there was a man who was driving a two-toned Ford Fairmont who like all of a sudden stopped his vehicle. He said, the guy shut off his engine, opened the passenger door and swung his feet out onto the curb right where we were assembling our newspapers. 
and he started talking about where's 86th Street? Where's 86th Street? Johnny Gosh turned to a fellow friend um, named Mike and said, I've got my papers loaded in my wagon. I'm a little bit creeped out by this guy. I'm scared. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to head home and I'm going to get my dad to deliver papers with me. Uh, The man who had been watching the boys pulled the door shut and started up the engine um, when he saw Johnny leaving. But before he left, he reached up and flicked the dome light in his car three times. Then he pulled out and left. Um, Noreen Gosh, who is Johnny's mother, said that she believes the driver may have been signaling another person who later came and snatched Johnny and that one of the paper boys told her that he had seen a tall man come out from in between two houses after the initial vehicle guy like did the light three times and that he witnessed the man follow her son while he was on his way home. West Des Moines police officer Jeff Miller, who was a rookie cop at the time, but now he's a lieutenant, said that once they, the police arrived, um, they began scouring the area, but they kept hitting one wall after another. They went ahead and called in the staff, Miller said. Um, They called the troopers. They called in detectives. They called in the reserves. They contacted like the Polk County sheriffs. Um, They contacted the state patrol, and at that point, they all came to the decision that they would do a door-to-door canvas of the neighborhood, trying to find anyone who may have seen something happen to Johnny. Um, But he does say that nothing ever came of it, and no one ever came forward. He said it seemed at the time that Johnny had just disappeared into thin air. Now, That is actually all I have regarding the day of the kidnapping itself. But as you can imagine, an ice cold case stemming from 1982 has gathered up its fair collection of wacky theories that we are going to, of course, dive into. The first theory is that Johnny's case is perhaps related to a few other cases of Um, missing boys in the Des Moines area because about two years after the disappearance of Johnny Gosh, there was another abduction. This boy was 13-year-old Eugene Martin, and Eugene also happened to be delivering newspapers at the time of his disappearance. There was also another boy. His name was Mark James Warren Allen, who was then 13 years old, Um, He told his mom that he was going to walk to a friend's house across the street on March 29th, 1986, which was like just happened to be the day before Easter. Um, However, he never made it to the neighbor's house and he hasn't been seen since. Um, Alan was first believed to be the third Iowa paper boy to go missing in the early to mid 80s based on earlier media reporting. However, it turns out Alan was not a paper boy. He was just a little boy trying to get to his friend's house. But even now, three decades later, none of the three boys' cases has ever been solved. And police keep insisting that the three cases are not related, although they have never shared why they seem to be so incredibly confident in that statement. Um, The police just like seem real, real confident for a group, a department, who has three unsolved murders of young boys. Excuse me, excuse me, sorry, not sorry, for not having faith in them, if you will. 
Um, I mean, of course, there is always that thing that we've talked about in previous cases and previous episodes, guilty information knowledge. So maybe the police know something, but they're just keeping it close to the chest and that thing that they know that they're not sharing with us is the thing that makes them so confident that these cases are not connected. But until they share it, until someone's indicted and they present that in court, we unfortunately will be left in the dark as to why they are so confident that none of these cases are correlated. Um, In 1985, Noreen Gosh, again, the mother of Johnny, she received an interesting tip. Some douchebag. I know his name, but I'm not even a bother mentioning it on here because seriously, this guy is a real piece of work. Um, He claimed that he had belonged to this motorcycle gang and his motorcycle gang was hired to watch over and essentially be a bodyguard to some house that housed a child trafficking ring. Um, He told the Goshes that for $11,000, he would tell them what he knew. Um, so yeah, isn't he real sweet? He's like, I really want to help you, but first I'm going to need $11,000. Ah, what a gem. Uh, the Goshes obviously were desperate. They like were hoping to have their son return to them. Um, so they gladly paid him the money. Then after they gave him $11,000, they received another call from him and he was like, yeah, you know what? I've been thinking and it's just like a bit too risky for me to share with you the information that I have for like a measly 11,000. Like I'm literally risking my life, like just talking to you. So I'm actually going to need a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, this guy is a real shithead. (laughs) I don't like him. Uh, the police ended up catching this guy in Buffalo attempting to flee to Canada, and they arrested him on charges of wire fraud. The man said that he knew that Johnny had been purchased by a drug lord in Mexico City, Mexico, and while the FBI believed his claims to be 100% bullcrap, Noreen insisted that she believed the guy and actually got super pissed with the FBI agents because she believed that with them arresting someone for reaching out to the goshes, that this would cause other people who may potentially know information about her son and the whereabouts of her son to hold their tongues because they wouldn't want to be arrested. So yeah, like Noreen was super, super pissed. Eventually, the disappearance of their son divided Noreen and John Sr., who ended up getting a divorce. John Sr. said that as the years passed, his wife began to, like, just get nutty. And honestly, like, I don't really blame her. I don't blame her at all. I mean, I believe that it's the not knowing that is probably the worst form of torture a parent would, like, will ever endure. Because when you don't know, you start, like, concocting scenarios in your head. And each scenario is, like, more gruesome and more terrible than the last. So basically, I can understand Noreen's desire to believe everything that she is hearing because as a parent, like who wouldn't want to explore all avenues if it might mean that you're going to get some closure or maybe even like perhaps a safe return of your son. Um, In 1997, 
um, another crazy meeting happens. And this is real, real crazy. So buckle up. Uh, Noreen is awakened in the dead of night to a knock on her door. Like literally 2 a.m. She gets a knock on her door. And she answers the door. And there is Johnny. Well, maybe. Um, There's this 27-year-old guy along with an unidentified man standing at her door. And Noreen said that immediately she recognized her son, who then opened up his shirt to reveal a birthmark on his chest. She said, we talked for about an hour or an hour and a half. He was with this other man who I have no idea who that man was. And Johnny would look over to the other person for approval to speak. After her encounter, like after her son left, she called the FBI and had them make a sketch of the man who had come to her door claiming to be Johnny. Basically, they, um, during the hour to an hour and a half that they were talking, they talked about how Johnny said that he had been kidnapped and he was forced into sex trafficking. He was forced to live under the house of a drug lord with several other kids and would only come up from the basement to see the light of day when the drug lord wanted to share them with his friends. He said that with a little help um, and some associates, he had managed to escape this gruesome, disgusting house. And he explained that although he had escaped, he was still terrified of the drug lord who he was sure would have him killed if he were to ever show his face again. Then, as quickly as he had arrived, he was gone. And he said he wasn't able to tell Noreen where he was going to go next. Many people, including Johnny's own father, doubt the validity of this encounter. Some think that Noreen may have made up this whole interaction to get her son's name in the media, in the papers, get people talking about him again. Um, Others think that Noreen did have an actual encounter with a man who was claiming to be Johnny, but they doubt that it was in fact Johnny. Um, it's possible that this was someone like attempting to give Noreen some weird semblance of peace, or it could have just been some sick, twisted sicko that was just trying to taunt her and just be a douche. I don't know. Um, on September 1st, 2006, Gosh reported that she had had photographs delivered to her front door, um, some of which she posted on the website that she runs, um, that she puts all this information about Johnny on. Um, there was one color photo that showed three boys who were bound and gagged. Um, she says that there was also a black and white photo that appeared to show 12 year old Johnny Gosh with his mouth gagged. And there was like a brand on his shoulder. And then there was a third photo that showed a man who may or may not have been dead in the photo, um, who had like something tied around his neck and like Johnny just like happened to be in the picture. So Mrs. Gosh stated that the man may have been one of the perpetrators who had molested her son. Um, I think, and the FBI thinks after she gave the pictures over to him that it was just like someone playing like a disgusting joke on Noreen. Um, because they did look into the photos and the photo in question, um, they do not believe is her son, but it's one of three boys in Tampa, Florida in about like 1979 to 1980. Um, 
so yeah it was probably a boy that looked like Johnny when he was 12 but the pictures were actually taken like a lot later so unfortunately I do not think that those pictures were of her son um one thing that Noreen has always claimed based on the interaction the second theory that Johnny showed up to her house that night um so we said that as soon as she opened the door she immediately recognized him as Johnny and that he opened his shirt to reveal a birthmark so apparently that birthmark was never disclosed to any of the papers um so it's not something that somebody would have known that was maybe just trying to play a cruel prank on her. Um, she said that Johnny also showed her a scar on his tongue from when he had bitten it when he was really young and a burn scar that was on his lower leg. And although that there was one description of a birthmark, I'm not really sure which one it was, um, whether it was the tongue or the one on the leg, but she knows for sure that she never told anybody about the chest uh, birthmark. So, could it have been Johnny? I don't know. How would he have known about the bit tongue story? How would he have known about the birthmark on the chest? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there was this guy. Um, his name was Bonacci, and he claimed that he was a boy that was also involved in that uh, child trafficking ring. And he claims that he was actually used as bait, like as lure to lure Johnny to the car where he was then kidnapped. Um, and he was actually able to provide some information about Johnny that had not been um, given to the media either. He told the mother that um, Johnny would always get this stammer when he was upset and that was something that she had never talked about before. Um, but the FBI and the local police department do not believe that this guy, Bonacci, is a credible witness in the case. Um, and they haven't even actually interviewed him, which I honestly think is a disservice. I think that with some of the information that he knows that, you know, Noreen is claiming nobody would know because they never shared it to the media. I think that it would be worth talking to him. Like, maybe he's lying, but maybe he's not. Um, but they did say that they interviewed some of his siblings um, about his whereabouts at the time when Johnny was abducted. And every single one of his siblings said that when Johnny was being abducted, their brother was at home. So that may be why they are deciding to ignore his testimony. Um, so as you can see, there are just so, so many conspiracy theories out there so many wild theories. Um, it makes sense that Noreen, that Noreen would go a little crazy um, in order to discover the truth. Again, seriously, do not blame her. I feel like it would be the exact same way if this happened to me, um, except for I think that I'd probably just self-isolate for the rest of my life, but not Noreen, actually. No. Noreen has been a critical soldier in getting legislation to pass regarding missing and exploiting children since the disappearance of her own son. For starters, Johnny was the second child in American history to ever appear on a milk carton. So huge deal. Um, Noreen also helped to pass a law in Iowa that makes it so that 
any child who is missing will be considered kidnapped until proven otherwise, which is a great change from assuming that children are runaways until proven otherwise because that loses valuable time and man hours when you do that. She also has set up a foundation um, for missing and exploited children under Johnny's name. And she did that just one month after his disappearance. So like she started getting to work like right away. Like seriously, what incredible lady. Um, She has written two books about her experience, about her son missing and her experience with the Des Moines Police Department and how she wishes that the police would have done better by her son. Um, Now, we've given all this time to, like, all these things that could have, might have happened to Johnny. And, like, it's difficult for me because I'm a parent and so I feel, like, a, a little bond to her. But, so I seriously don't mean to be a Debbie Downer in any way as obviously I hope that Johnny is out there somewhere, finally safe. Like maybe he's in witness protection. I hope. I cross my fingers and hope. Um, But the staunch New York cynic in me is telling me that none of the conspiracies that we've discussed today are true. Because as much as I would love to believe these elaborate ideas, um, My gut just always tells me that the simplest explanation is often the truth. Um, So this is just me on my little Rochelle box in the corner, my own personal opinion. So don't come at me. Um, But just based off of statistics alone, I do think that Johnny is no longer with us. Like, does that mean that I think that we should stop investigating this case? No, there clearly was somebody in the Des Moines area targeting young boys who were not necessarily like newspaper boys. I think that the that just made them easy targets. And so that's why I feel like there's a repeat of newspapers. But just like any boy that was alone was a target to this predator. Um, but I don't think that he was picked up and sold to a drug lord in Mexico. Um, I don't think that he was taken to a location to be used as some sort of like a sex slave for years. Um, because if we just look at statistics alone, and I know that there are outliers, but if we're just going to like look at the statistics, when a child is abducted by someone that they know, they normally have about a 48 hour window before like harm will come to them. However, if it's someone that they don't know, let's say, I don't know, a strange man that no one knows sitting in a two-tone Ford Fairmont, perhaps, um, the prognosis is going to be even more grim. Uh, because in the case of a stranger abduction, most kids don't make it more than four to six hours, if that. Um, I think that Des Moines at the time was plagued with a serial kidnapper and murderer who preyed on young boys who were alone. Um, I honestly don't know why he stopped at three. Um, honestly, I don't think that he did. I think that he might have either like moved to a different location or he may have been arrested for something different or he may have like died. I don't know. Or maybe he got like stationed somewhere else or he got a job somewhere else. Like, I don't think that this guy just stopped. I don't know why he stopped in Des Moines, but I don't think that he stopped. Um, the truth is until like 
it's proven that these boys are dead because they find remains or something like that or until someone is willing to talk we're probably never going to be able to unveil the truth about what happened to these young boys Um, I will tell you that I have hope that one day we will know without a shadow of a doubt what happened Um, I feel like a lot of people who may have been scared to come forward like a girlfriend a wife a sister a co-worker a neighbor I mean I feel like as time goes on maybe they'll be more willing to talk um because seriously like when I recorded the episode of the boy in the box I thought that there was absolutely no way in this lifetime that we'd ever be able to discover the truth about who he was but wouldn't you know with the advancement of science and technology and DNA evidence and all the stuff that they're doing with genealogy we were able to figure it out. And I hope that the same can be said about these three young men. Um, Furthermore, I hope that the SOB who did it is freaking still alive so that he can be punished to the fullest extent of the law. Um, Yeah. And if today was my birthday, that would be my birthday wish. Um, I just want to thank you guys all for joining me today. I know that this case didn't really have too much information about the day itself, but I mean, cold cases as cold cases go, they have some pretty wild theories. And I would love if you would go to my Instagram at mystery soul unsolved and share with me your thoughts, your theories, your insights regarding this case. Um, I would love to hear what you have to say. If I missed a theory that you think is plausible and worth talking about, like, let me know and I'll include it in my next episode. Um, the first time that I ever heard about this case, I think that I may have, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there may be an, uh, an unsolved mysteries, like little portion of this. Um, if not though, I know that I definitely heard about it when Crime Junkie covered it. Um, I was trying to like go find the episode, but they must've pulled it cause it's not there anymore. Um, but if you heard of a theory on Crime Junkie or another podcast, let me know. I would love to include it. Um, so a lot of you guys want to know how you can support the podcast. So I'll tell you real quick before we say goodbye for a week. Um, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved. Share with me your thoughts, theories, opinions, DM me a case suggestion. Just shoot me a DM telling me that you think I'm awesome. Um, you can also go to my website, www.mysteriestillunsolved.com. There you can binge my now 98 episodes and make sure that you're coming back in a couple, in a little bit because we have some big things going on the site in the next couple of weeks. Um, you can send me a case suggestion, um, share this podcast with a friend or a family member. And as always, don't feel like you need to limit it to the realm of family and friends. Tell your ski instructor, tell the usher at the movie theater, tell your nail tech, tell your florist, because FYI, Valentine's Day is coming up. So you guys like, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm trying to help you. Valentine's Day is coming up quick. Um, and then if you want to know the best way to support my podcast, it is and forever will be to join me next week when together we'll discover, did anyone ever leave a useful tip? Has justice prevailed or is the mystery still unsolved? <laughs>